Good morning. Amen. I want to thank Pastor Deal, Pastor Adam, for allowing me the opportunity to share from God's Word with you today. We are continuing our series, Name Dropping, where we study the names of God. And there are several of them in the scriptures. Today's uh, name of God that we're going to be looking at is simply Jehovah, the self-revealing one. Very simple, but very powerful. Amen. So if you want to, uh, we're going to be in Exodus chapter 3 for the most part today. So if you want to go ahead and start to head that direction. But I want to start in a different place. Uh, I grew up in the King James Bible. Maybe some of you here did as well. So the scriptures that I memorized and the studying that I did early on in my Christian life were from the King James Version. And some of you old-timers in the King James might remember a verse in Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18, that says this, Where there is no vision, the people perish. How many have heard that? You see, I grew up knowing that and memorizing that verse, but throughout this Bible, there are thousands and thousands of verses in here. And sometimes you can misunderstand and misunder, misapply what the meaning of those verses actually are. You see, throughout the course of time, there have been great visionaries, right? In religion, in politics, in business, in art, in music, you name it. And the idea here in that scripture is we, we think that means I gotta have a vision. I gotta have a plan. Otherwise, I'm gonna fail, right? So failing to plan is planning to fail. But all of these great visionaries throughout the course of time have set these plans in place and ultimately they have failed or they are going to fail. So the question is why? Why do they, why do they fail? Why are they going to fail? Well, let's take a little more complete look at what Proverbs 29.18 says. So I'm going to go to the amplified version, but you can find this in the New King James. You can find it in the NIV as well. So what should be up on the screen, it says, where there is no vision, and then in parentheses it says this, no revelation of God and his word. That's what vision means. It doesn't mean me coming up with a plan. It means if I don't have God involved in this, that's when perishing happens. So the difference between man's vision, if you will, and God's vision is eternity. You see, when it's my plan, when it's my idea, even though I've put all of the work in, even though I have planned and planned and planned, if God's not involved, it's going to fail. So my first point that if you're taking notes this morning is this, it's that vision isn't vision without God revealed. Some of you here have been planning and preparing and working And things aren't materializing the way you think they ought to. And I'm not going to stand up here and tell you that's never happened to me. I've failed miserably on multiple fronts. I'm not going to tell you all of them, but trust me. Take my word for it. But the more that I have failed, the more that I've learned to lean on God. So we're talking about Jehovah, the self-revealing one. See, there was nobody there to name God, so he had to name himself. So let's dig into this idea of Jehovah, the self-revealing one. 
We're going to start in Exodus chapter 3. And we're going to look at verse 1. And the next point I want to make to you here this morning is this. That there is an initial revelation. And my prayer leading up to this week. If you're sitting in this place and you don't know God. My prayer is that he reveals himself to you this morning. I want you to know him. I want you to know him. I want you to be saved. Because that's what he's here to do. That initial, that initial revelation, it's available to everybody. It's available to every person here. It's available to every person watching us online and worshiping online with us. If you're hearing my voice, it's available to you. But I'll tell you this, not everybody accepts it. But that's not on God, that's on us for not accepting it. So it's available to all, but not accepted by all. So before we look at Exodus chapter 3... I want to kind of set the scene. We're talking about Moses. And I would encourage you, not now, but when you go home, I would encourage you to read Exodus chapter 1 and Exodus chapter 2. Just in preparation to get you to this again. It's a great read. The story of Moses and his life is amazing. You see, Pharaoh put a decree in the land that all of the firstborn males were to be killed. Moses was the firstborn male. But his mom came up with an idea to sneak him and hide him. And he was found by Pharaoh's daughter. And Moses' sister was off in the distance watching all of this happen. When Pharaoh's daughter found this child, she called to, she didn't know it, but it was Moses' sister. Said, can you go find somebody who will take care of this child and raise him? She said, yes, I can. You know who she went and found? She went and found mom. (laughs) So after all of that, Moses was raised by his mother. It's amazing. Who do you think orchestrated all of that? God God did that. Jehovah. Now Moses was not a perfect man. There was a time that he saw an Egyptian who had the Hebrews under bondage. And he... Smote one of them, the Bible says. One of his countrymen, and Moses didn't like that. So he waited for a time when he thought nobody was watching, and he killed that Egyptian. And he buried him in the sand. Moses was a murderer. But God called him. You may be sitting here thinking, I'm not good enough. Moses was a murderer. And God called him to lead his people. You see, afterwards, Moses thought he kind of got away with it. And he saw later on, he saw two of his countrymen fighting against each other. And he went and confronted them about it. Why are you guys fighting? And they called him out and said, are you going to kill us like you killed that Egyptian? And now he realized, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh, I've been caught. That thing that I thought I got away with, I've been caught. It's time for me to get out of here. And he fled. And we pick up the story here now in chapter 3, verse 1. It says, now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. 
And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And at this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. God right there announced himself. He says, I am the God of your father, of Abraham, of Isaac, of Jacob. He uses those two simple words, I am. Now, right there, it doesn't translate to Jehovah just yet. But you're going to hear those two words, that self-revelation of God here again later. Those two words are so powerful because he's defining himself as the eternal God. Now, if we skip down to verse 10. Here now, God is commanding Moses to go. He's got a plan for him. He says, so now go, in verse 10. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you. And this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you've brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God in this mountain. Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell him? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. The name you shall call me from generation to generation. You see there in verse 14, I am who I am is Aheye, Asher Aheye. That's how it's translated. I am who I am. That is Jehovah. That is the self-existent God. That is the eternal God who always was and who always will be. That is the self-revealing God that we're studying today. He says, I am who I am. And he says, when the people ask who sent you, tell them, I am sent you. And that name that you're calling me now, Jehovah, you're going to call me that now and forever. That is my name to you. Now, I told you earlier that I grew up on the King James. The King James version says, I am that I am. I like that one. (laughs) I'll be honest with you. You see, what God says there to me in that verse is, I'm not just some run of the mill I am. No, I'm not one of those other I am's that the Egyptians worship and has no power. I am that I am. I am that I am. You got to put the emphasis on that. Amen. I am that I am that spoke the world into existence. I am the one who formed you in your mother's womb. He is the I am who knows the number of hairs on your head this morning. He is the I am that knows that temptation will entrap you and cause you to sin and to fall short. He knows that. 
but he is also the I am who sent his son, Jesus Christ, to save you from those sins, to wash you clean, to forgive you, to heal you so that you could spend forever with him. So I have four sub points this morning, but again, my prayer is if you have not accepted that initial revelation of the great I am this morning, that you will. The first sub point I've got is this, your revelation will be unique to you. Moses's revelation was a voice coming out of a burning bush that was not consumed by fire. Anybody had that experience? (laughs) Nope, me either. Even today, if we have an altar call at the end of the service and 15, 50, 100 people come to the altar, you might say, well, that's the same experience. I guarantee you it'll be unique to each one of you that come to this altar. God knows everything that's going on in your heart right now. You've got that look on your face that everything's fine. You've cleaned up and everything's fine. But you know deep down inside you need him this morning. He knows that too. That revelation will be unique to you. Because he cares about you individually. He's not looking at this whole collective here this morning. He's looking at you. So my second sub point then is God doesn't give up after one try. Praise God for that. I don't know about you, but I didn't accept him the first time he tried to reach me. The first time he revealed himself to me. This is good news for us. Amen. And it's evidence of a loving and patient father. You see, over the next several chapters here in Exodus, we see Moses make excuse after excuse. Sometimes complaint after complaint of why he couldn't go and do what God had called him to do. So I wonder this morning, have you ever said anything like this? Have you ever thought anything like this? Have you ever felt anything like this yourself? How about, well, who am I, God, that you would call me to do this? Essentially, I'm not good enough. How about, uh, they won't believe me, God. I know you're telling me to tell tell them this, but they're not going to believe me. How about, well, I'm not really a good speaker. Yep, yep, I know. Can't you send someone else? Yep, I've used that one too. Or how about you finally cave in, you do what God tells you, you go to talk to the people, and you come back to God and you say, well, they didn't do what... I told them to do. (laughs) They didn't do what you told me to tell them to do, God. If you read through, you'll hear Moses say those very words to God himself. But God doesn't give up after one try. After each of those things that Moses came to, God had something else to solve that. Amen. Remember, Moses did actually lead the people, right? They didn't go find somebody else. All of those weaknesses that Moses felt within himself, God turned them into strengths. He says that in the New Testament. 
My strength is made perfect in weakness. So my third sub-point under this is, is this. We should share the revelation. If you'll notice, the first part of Exodus chapter 3 was God revealing himself to Moses, right? He spoke to Moses from the burning bush and he said, I am the God of your fathers, Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, right? That was a conversation directly with Moses. But we get about 10 scriptures later and he's now commanding Moses to go tell the people. He's commanding Moses to go share the revelation that I just gave to you of who I am. That revelation that you're going to receive today, if you haven't, is not just meant for you. Every person on this earth deserves the opportunity to accept or deny that initial revelation of God in their life. Every person on this earth deserves that opportunity. Who's going to give them that opportunity? You think I'm not shaking in my boots standing up here before you? But this is what God called me to do this week. We got to share that revelation. Don't hold it in for yourselves. And the fourth sub point I've got this morning is if you're here and you're on the fence about whether I should accept this or not, I'm going to tell you this. The sooner the better. Don't wait. Don't say, ah, well, you know, that was a good message this morning, but I'm, I'm just not there yet. I think I'm going to sneak out that door and, and head on home and grab something to eat. I'm telling you, God is dealing with you here and now, and here and now is the time to accept it. We find that in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verses 1 and 2. Paul says this is God's co-workers. We urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. For he says, in the time of my favor, I heard you. And in the day of salvation, I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. If you are not saved this morning, when is the right time? Now. Most every Christian I've talked to wishes they'd have gotten saved long before they actually did. I wish I'd have accepted him at the beginning and not fought and fought and fought and walked away and walked away and walked away. So the question is, why now? <clears throat> well, there's a ton of reasons. But to keep on today's topic, I'll lead into my third point this morning. And that is this, that God continues to reveal himself. You see, this continual revelation that God gives to each of us is only available to those that accept the initial revelation. God right now, if you're not saved, he's just trying to get you to accept that initial revelation. And he's not going to give up after one try. He's going to keep trying. But once you accept it, it opens the door to countless opportunities for God to further reveal himself in your life. He'll reveal more of his character to you, his nature, his instruction, 
his discipline and correction. That's part of the revelation. We need that, right? He'll course correct us. That's God revealing himself to us. He reveals his plan and his power. But that's only available to us if we'll make that initial acceptance. You see, God wants us to accept that initial revelation now so that he can move on to bigger and better things in our lives. Think of it like this. Moses, if you think hearing my voice from a burning bush was something, wait until you see what else I have in store for you. You thought that was something. See, if that would have been it, right? If that was the only thing that ever happened to Moses, that's a pretty good story. It's a pretty good testimony. That's going to trump a lot of stories that you're ever going to hear. But God had bigger and better things in store for Moses. I'll share a couple of them here. So if we go to Exodus chapter 14, verse 19, it says, Then the angel of God, who had been traveling in front of Israel's army. So this entire army of the nation of Israel is moving forward out of Egypt, where God's leading them to the promised land, right? There's an angel right there. So that angel withdrew and went behind them. And the pillar of cloud also moved from in front and stood behind. See, there was a pillar of cloud by day that led the nation of Israel. And there was a pillar of fire by night that led the nation of Israel. I don't know about you. That's a little more impressive than the burning bush to me. I'm not trying to rank them, but you know, I'll put it slightly. I'll put it like burning bush here, pillar of cloud, pillar of fire, like right there. That's pretty impressive. They're to lead, guide, and protect Israel. The Bible says here, the pillar of cloud moved from in front of them and stood behind them. Why? Because that's where all the Egyptians were. (laughs) He's protecting them. And it said he came between the armies of Egypt and Israel. And throughout the night... The cloud brought darkness to the one side and light to the other side. So neither went near the other all night long. (laughs) Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. Again, you think burning bush, pillar of cloud. This next one's like up here. (laughs) Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. And all that night, the Lord drove the sea back. With a strong east wind and turned it into dry land. And the waters were divided. Had Moses ignored that initial revelation, this thing that we're talking about right here would never have happened. If God's speaking to you, is he going to have you part the Red Sea? Probably not. Is he going to have you do something amazing in your life? You better believe it. Something you can't even imagine or fathom right now. But it doesn't matter if you can imagine it or fathom it right now. Because it's not you doing it. It's him doing it through you. Who caused that wind to blow? That wasn't Moses. That was God. God's going to work through you. I'll share a, a quick testimony of my own. Because God continues to reveal himself in my life. 
Uh, the job that I do is in sales. So um, I have, uh, I, I've traveled the Midwest and handle a bunch of different customers throughout. There was a particular situation that came up early this year, really late last year, but it came to a head early this year, like in January. And I won't get into the details, but it was a big mistake that I didn't make, but the two customers that were involved were both of my customers. So as the sales guy, guess who has to deal with it? Yep. It was a mistake that was tens of thousands of dollars of a mistake. And yeah, it wasn't millions and millions of dollars. I get it. But tens of thousands of dollars is a lot of money. And the message I want to leave with you here is there was, I could not see a resolution. I could not see a way that this was going to get resolved. We met internally and had all of the, you know, all of the brain, <laughs> the brainstorming and all of the, the minds melding. And we had these, this hour long conference call internally. And I left that conference call thinking, I don't know how this is going to get resolved. And then the next day we had to, I had to get on with the customer and try and walk through it and explain it. And it didn't get resolved. <laughs> it was a mess. And I remember that uh, that situation happened while we were doing 21 days of prayer here at the church. You think that's a coincidence? No. So the, the first call was on a Wednesday. The customer call was on a Thursday. Every morning after that, I came to the 21 days of prayer here in the morning. And I'll tell you, I run high on the anxiety scale. I'm just going to be honest with you. I'm a worrier. Uh, I get anxious when, when things don't, like when there's just not a resolution and things can't get solved and I can't move it from here to here, I get like this. All of this, uh, this hair, for those of you online, there's actually hair here. It's just very gray. It didn't used to be that way. I was worried, like I didn't know how this was going to get resolved. There was no way out. There was absolutely no way out. I prayed Thursday morning. Literally weeping and crying in the altars. Not just about this. I prayed about other things as well, but this was front and center on my mind, so I prayed about it. Friday morning, Saturday morning, Sunday morning, Monday morning, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. It's five days of praying. I'm working on Monday morning. About 9.30, an email pops through from my boss and the customer says, looks like we got it figured out. I pushed my chair away from my desk and I began to worship God. I said, thank you, Lord, because there was no way out. I'm not kidding you. There was no way out. And somehow, I know how, somehow God worked it out. He continues to reveal himself to you. So the, the last point that I'll make to you this morning is this. There will be a final revelation. Yes. Now this one, everybody is going to face. Whether they're alive or they're dead now. There is going to be a final revelation. And for this scripture, we're going to go to Revelation. So Revelation chapter 20 and verse 11 says this. Then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. The earth and the heavens fled from his presence and there was no place for them. 
And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne. And I want to tell you this in this NIV. I want to make sure you understand that throne's not empty. In, in the King James, it says standing before God. God is on this throne. It says, and the books were opened. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. The sea gave up the dead that were in it. And death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them. And each person was judged according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. Anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. Well, that sure brought the room down, didn't it? It's absolute truth. This is the end. There will be a final revelation and not a single soul will be able to escape it. The Bible says this. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. I tell you this not to scare you. I tell you this because I love you. You need to accept that revelation of God in your heart right now. And you need to live in that revelation throughout your life. And you need to share that revelation with others. See, there's good news in Luke chapter 21. Jesus was speaking. People actually asked him, well, what, what are the signs going to be? What's it going to be like in the end times? So Jesus began to share with them. And in verse 34, he finishes kind of the story with this. He says, be careful or your hearts will be weighed down with carousing, drunkenness and the anxieties of life. And that day will close on you suddenly like a trap. For it will come on all those who live on the face of the whole earth. Be always on the watch and pray that you may be able to escape all that is about to happen. And that you, be able, you may be able to stand before the Son of Man. You see, Jesus is talking about the wars and the chaos and all of the calamity that's going to happen in those end times. But he says this, there is a way of escape. And you should pray that you're counted worthy to find that way of escape. Amen. That way of escape is Jesus Christ. That way out from what we read in Revelation is through salvation through him. So I'd ask everybody if you would stand with me this morning. So what about it here today? Is now your day of salvation? Has God been trying to reveal himself and you've rejected him? Perhaps he's in your heart this morning saying, this is the day. Now is the day. When the time comes after we finish this last song, there are going to be people up front to pray with you. I would encourage you to come. Don't sneak out the back door. Take that time. And get to know him. Let him reveal himself to you this morning. And for, for those of us here that have been saved. Has God done something fresh in your heart this morning?